Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Hello Slackers, I hope you're all good. This is the Slacker Podcast with myself Phil Taggart. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying Season 2. We're getting to roughly about halfway through. We've had some podcasts with Christine and the Queens and Fatboy Slim, Bring Me the Rising, Scroobius Pip. Last week was Loyal Carner and yeah, it's been it's been going really well so far. If you're fresh to the podcast and you're just coming in on this one, right, let me sort of set it out for you. This is a podcast where artists come on to talk about they're really early demos. We don't talk about the demos for an hour, but at the very beginning of the podcast, you will get as early a demo as we can possibly prize out of their hands. And then we'll talk a little bit about that, and then it just drifts into chaos. We, we, we follow the conversation wherever it may end up. Some of them end up in completely and utterly different places. Some of them really just journey the whole way through uh, the artist's career. And that is the Slacker Podcast in a nutshell. Thank you to everybody who is uh, new and everybody who has come on and rated and reviewed the podcast. Uh, it's seen the podcast go up to number one uh, in the music charts on um, the Apple Podcast charts, which has been pretty cool. That's two seasons in a row that we've got up to number one. No pressure on the third season or anything like that. To be honest, I haven't even finished recording the second season. I've still got a couple more to do. Uh, if So if you've got any um, guests or people that you want me to get on it or anything that you'd like to hear on the podcast, get in touch with me at Philly Taggart on Twitter, at Philly Taggart on Instagram. And this week's podcast is sponsored by Phil Taggart's Slacker Guide to the Music Industry. Yeah, it's really weird me saying my name in the third person. That's what the book is called. If you want to type it into Amazon or Google or wherever it is you find it. Or you just go to the website, philtaggartslacker.com. There is a book that is up there to buy. And there is an ebook that you can buy as well. And it is basically a guide for any artist, any musician, any manager, anybody who's starting out in the music industry. Or maybe you've been doing it for a little while and you either A, need a refresher or B, you don't have all sort of information at your fingertips that you wish you had. Um, so I've interviewed the great and the good of music. I've had tour managers and PR people and labels and uh, artists and 
designers and web developers, all on the industry side of it. And then on the sort of artist side of it, we've had people like Wolf Alice, uh, who were on season one of this podcast. Uh, we've had people like George Ezra, Charlie XEX, Run the Jewels, Biffy Clyro, all these bands that managed to pull themselves out of the practice room and those uh, early demos and went on to do great things. So I, I asked them about loads of different topics. There's 20 chapters in there. It's a pretty beefy old book as well. It's about 368 pages long. And you can get it from philtaggartslacker.com. Right, this week's podcast is with a band from Coventry. They have influenced probably more bands than anybody else that we've featured on uh, the two seasons that we've had so far. Also, they're probably going back the farthest as well. This band started in the 70s, and they're a band I got into my teenage years and absolutely adore, and they're a band I go back to over and over and over again. They've had so many different iterations of the band, and they came back uh, a a couple of months ago, uh, and dropped a new album for the first time in a long, long time, and had their first ever number one, which is crazy considering like how long they've been going. But they are a true inspiration, and they just write great music. This is the Stacker Podcast with the specials in three, two, one. We've got Linval and Horace from uh, the specials joining us in the basement studio here in Soho Radio. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Nice to be here, man. Good to be here. Wonderful. What are, you, what are your memories of Soho? You, like, Berwick Street. Berwick Street. We went there with, yes. with, with Pete Waterman. Um, yeah. And um, yes. mm. we had spent a day in Berwick Street Studios. We spent an evening at the Marquee supporting a band called The Saints, this Australian punk Australian band. band. Yeah. Um, their manager uh, managed us briefly. So I, I have very, I can't remember very much about the gig, other than that it was it stank. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the old Marquis in Water Street, and the Saints bass player very kindly gave me a set of bass strings. Yeah. So I, really I still think the the smelliest gig I've ever been to in my whole life was the Pogues at uh, the po- yeah. at, at the Point Depot when I was about. Uh, 19 or 20 it's proper gig I man with the pogs like, it's proper. like scratch and sniff I can still smell it proper proper yeah mm. how are you guys doing today anyway as well oh feeling much yeah, better we're doing pretty good we're doing yeah, good. the sun's shining out the sun yeah. is beautiful outside isn't it yeah. it's, it's, it's a lovely. proper spring day mm. here in the, mm. the day we record nice. this in February mm. It's, wow, it's, oh yeah, it's suspicious, isn't it? Yeah, because like in a, you know in America, where <coughs> you know where I live in Washington State, Seattle, and mm-hmm. they're snowing over there. You know, so thank yeah, yeah. God I'm over here instead of over there because I'm not very good when it comes to snow. It's too cold for me. Yeah, I, I like, like a warm climate. You know? I opened the door today and was like, if this is global warming, I'm all right with it. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we'll in the short it. term. Yeah. In the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's a bit, been a bit of a like a, a whirlwind, I guess. Like was it like last week you got your first number one album? First, first number one album. Or where where's the first the first special album got to? I think the first specials album got to four when it was released October nineteen seventy nine. And more specials got to. I don't know about more specials. That I can't got, remember that. It, was a, it wasn't as high as that. It wasn't as that. No, so see that that blows my mind. That like because when you look back at the blows the, your the, mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you think we feel? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's extraordinary. Absolutely but when the first bonkers. when the first specials album came out, like it's so. How old were you when the first specials? I was. Album? I was merely a glint in my daddy's eye. There you Mom go. Mum and dad was working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're doing a great job as well. Yeah. Perfect. Mm. Um, but like that was a formative record for me in my mm. sort of teenage years. A lot mm. of people sort of grasp onto it, like like me uh, when they're sort of fifteen, sixteen, and when you're going through it and you're looking at all the tracks on it, it reads like a greatest hits. Mm. The first one, it's just so good. That was that, well. That was like our, our our live set, you know. So yeah, they were know, the songs that we'd played. We played live for, for, for two years, live. you know, mm-hmm. and, and then it was just a quick. Mm. But yeah. The, um, what great rhythms! What uh, what great songwriting! Yeah. Mm. But we're gonna go back uh, even before the specials. Now, like I, I I can't confess to knowing all of the iterations of special names. Like I feel like there's a Wikipedia page in that itself. <laughs> um, but uh, I do know that there was a period where you were called the Automatic and then the Coventry Automatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I've got a piece of music, and we will start the podcast the same way that we we always do by just blasting in a little clip of this.
never had it never had any it, it, lyrics it, yeah no it. lyrics so just called yeah. wake up that was yeah. it Flashback, that was one of our first, um, um, probably the time we recorded it. Yeah, that, that's it. It's, it's, it sounds quite good. Yeah. I'm quite surprised with all the clavinet and all that, um, that real reggae feel to it, you know? Real sort of, sort of, um, rock steady feel to it, really. Uh-huh. You know, it's quite nice. Yeah, it's got that groove. Wow. Mm. Can you remember when that was recorded? Was it like, oh, what? God. I can't remember. I can't remember where we actually. I recorded. think that was that was from the um, the Berwick Street sessions. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that we did, um, which must have been early 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that was with our original drummer, um, yeah. Silverton, Silverton. Hutchins, and Silverton. this was before Neville had joined, joined the band. The band. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And everything seems quite like you know, like the way you play on on that uh, track. Mm. You know, like you obviously are very. Good starting off. You didn't like learn it as you went along. You all seemed, seemed like you were quite yeah, proficient. The players. specials weren't like the punks, you know. Whereas um, Terry was like sort of nineteen when he was in the specials. He was probably eighteen when that thing was recorded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he grew up with the Sex Pistols and the Clash. Whereas the rest of us were a generation older, so, and mm-hmm. we we knew how to play. We'd all mm-hmm. worked in soul bands. We'd all played in working men's all club working groups. Club band, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what, so we had our chops down. It wasn't like we were the punks who like learned to play during their second gig. You know what I mean? What were you guys playing when you were going and doing the working man's clubs? And what were they like to play? I was, I was, was, uh, the band that I played in was like soul and reggae, you know, like the old James Brown stuff, the old um, Otis Redden stuff. And they got the, the old um, um, Trojan stuff, you know, from back in the days. You know, we, we played all those. We're like a covers band, basically. Yeah, yeah. I learned through being being, being covers band, playing <coughs> all those. Because oh. back in them days, you get on stage... And you and, and the audience know all the songs. Uh-huh. And if you make a mistake, expect a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was like. You have to perfect. You know, was it was it, was it really that bad? Like, it was tough. Of, you see those videos of um, it was tough. You know those kind of like outback bars in America where they've got chicken mesh across the stage and they've mm. got somebody behind it. You know, playing old Glen Campbell songs or something mm. like that. <laughs> People are fighting on the dance floor. It wasn't as bad as that. I remember sort of when. Um, coming into and uh, loading into working men's clubs and people just looking at the equipment that you're putting on stage yeah. and looking at you and going it's too loud before you actually play anything <laughs> you know and, and, yeah. and, and stuff like that I've know. I've played in cover bands before and mm-hmm. um, like the owner of the establishment would be like shouting at us like going turn the vibe up and yeah. like you know turn it down I'm like there's a sound man there he's like you're not getting your rider if you don't turn the vibe <laughs> up if you get people dancing and we're just like what the fuck are you meant to I do remember, I remember right back in, in Coventry, you know, when we played, like we had like the the, um, the police ballroom, you know, mm. and that's where they used to put in, uh, they used to have like um, West Indian function there, you know, and you, you'd imagine right, we're at, right at the police ballroom, right, and if the band that comes on from London and, and in Coventry and they're not performing right, expect to get bottled off. <laughs> it was it was like that. I think well, it's, next door is a police station, guys. No, the music comes first when the music is not dropping right. So the band can't play music. <laughs> Run, go off. You know, it's it was a, like that. So you, that, that's why I was always said, I, I, you know, I had to. That's why we would learn how to play properly. Yeah, yeah. Because the audience can the, the, the audience can be can be quite tough, but, especially at the time when when it was like sound system coming in, right? 
they don't want to hear the band playing. They want to hear the old sound system, you know. That was the thing. The so band, we the band that we were in, we yeah. used to do discos as well. Mm. We do working men's club. But we used to do discos. Yeah. And it's like, and you're there trying your best to be funky, yeah. and then all of a sudden they play like a Brothers Johnson 12 yeah. inch, and it's like, oh, forget it. So, so this band that I was in, you know, empty dance floors all over disco yeah. in, in so the Midlands. You were in like different bands yeah. at, at that stage. Oh, yeah. different bands. And and like, so you were playing in lots of different bands, and like, what? How did it like? Converge to make uh, the specials and well, Jerry just sort of said, "Okay, I've got these songs. I've got this idea. I need a drummer. I need a bass player. I need a guitar player. I, I need a singer." Mm. And um, and he knew me, and and, and, and 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 he knew Limbo, so he kind of cherry picked us all, and and um, we all got together. So there was no 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 addition, and he like he, Jerry would have went round the sort of halls, sat, sat at the back with his notepad, kind of, no, kind giving of, you like instead yeah, of ten, you knew what we wanted in the band. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that sometimes that's what you need to start a band, don't you? you need but I think sort of take the there are two types tons. of bands, aren't there? There's, yeah. there's the the guys who are all mates at school mm. and they, they know that they want to stay mates forever so they learn they get musical equipment so they can be in a band because they're mates or you can get the guy with the idea who you know like, like the specials you know who needs the individual um, players to, to, to you know create this this vision or, or, or whatever when I, when I started playing bass the, the, the fellow who said he wanted to be the singer who ended up the guitarist <laughs> came up to me and was like right, you're on bass and I was like what's a bass and he was like hey, it's the guitar with four strings and I was yeah. like does it cost much it's easy isn't it you know, <laughs> it's it's only four no strings, chords yeah. one string at a time I was easy. like perfect easy. and then I kind of like looked at my old sort of like blur CD and I saw uh, like there was a cut out of Alex James yeah. and he was smoking and he was like drinking champagne and I was like I can do that Yeah, <laughs> that seems pretty good to me so what, what was Coventry like um, coming up sort of pre-specials like as a, as a kid and somebody who was into playing music and playing well, music we both never we were we both weren't Coventry natives, are no, we? Look, I, I came to Coventry in 1972 to go to the art college. Mm. Right, I've, I, and my um, I'm from from Gloucester. Uh-huh. My father moved to Coventry through work. He, my father used to work at um, Doughty Roto. It's 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 a it's a, a company that makes um, um, tanks and all the war machine. And obviously, my you know um, as I can see. And probably hear a little bit of accent there. Is Jamaican, mm-hmm. a Jamaican ma- accent, yeah, a Jamaican man, yeah. So anyway, my uh, um, w- with my father coming to coming to England um, to help to rebuild England, yeah, after the war, uh-huh. which means uh, he gets put into build working tanks. build tanks <laughs> in, in in Cheltenham. So after they after they they restack all the, the all the tanks that got blown up in, during the war, he was made redundant. So Coventry is a very very in- was a very industrial city. Yeah, of course. So my father, we all family moved to Coventry, and that's how we um, that's that's how I got to Coventry through, well, through through my father moving to Coventry f- for work. I've never seen like a, a TV documentary, a film documentary about Coventry, but I don't feel like I need to after having listened to the to your music because it p- paints such a picture and paints such a scene of uh, being at a sort of formative age and making music. Well, I, I would say like part of Coventry, which probably um, you know, there's there's a really there's really nice part of Coventry history, and then there's the other part of Coventry history where I had to run for my life, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so it is. It is real because at one stage Coventry was a very, very violent city. I got stabbed in my neck. Nearly what did you then? I, 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 that was while I was doing the Fun Boy Three. Oh, right. After so that was after the specials, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. But before that, right, I had to run for my life at times because every, each time you go into town, you know, there's always, especially like because you know, so being a young black lad, we're going out for. Clubs and everything, pubs and everything, and after after closing time, it's always like a big fight, a big brawl. And being black, that was the yeah. that was the attention. You're, you're black here. What are you doing here? Blah, 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 you know. Yeah. So it was it was you know it's pretty pretty um. It kind of reminds me of my hometown. Pretty it, like, rough at times, you know. It's it's a it's a very uh, it's a very sort of culture. Or like there's a there's basically a big countryside, and there's one town in the middle of this massive county, and all the farm, mm. farmers go in there and get drunk. And, and they get drunk, yeah, get, and exactly, they, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Look look at my nose, like mm. it's, uh, it's, it's it's slightly it's, off paste. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same like because in 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 Gloucester, where 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 you know you got you got Hereford and all those other little outside, you know, Sirencester and all that, you know. Oh. And when they and, and it's it's a rugby city as well, you know. And you know what rugby players are like, you know. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they play they play hard. Uh-huh. And, when, and after the game, they go and they get they drunk hard. and they have a big big bunch up, you know. Yeah. But that's 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 <laughs> that's the the sort of lifestyle. Um, yeah. What were what were the records that sort of pulled pulled you guys together when you were sort of sitting in that practice room? Bob Marley, um, that live Bob Marley album. Mm. Um, I think um, 
early stuff by Re- you know Rico Man from Marika mm. um, by by Rico and and punk rock you know um, you know God Save the Queen and um, the first Clash album. It, it's so strange that the, the the punks welcomed you with open arms because it was almost if you could play your instrument you were looked down upon, do you know? But well, the specials came to fruition when punk was basically dying on its arse. Yeah. And the Sex Pistols had split up. The Clash were going to America. Oh, mm. The Damned were sort of were splitting up and mm. reforming. So there was never... So the, the punk thing was kind of just falling apart and it was b- about time. It was the right time for something else to come along. There was like a mini mod revival with like the Secret Affair, mm-hmm. the Par- uh, Merton Parkers and all that kind of stuff. So... We kind of latched, sort of stylistically, we kind of latched ourselves onto that with like the two-tone suits and whatever. And that was the, the mods and then Scar and whatever. So it, well, it, it was just like being in the right place at the right well, time. Everybody, when well, talk- for me, it's like I'm born in Jamaica, obviously, um, right through the, the Scar time, right through all those, you know, when I was a kid in Jamaica, um, Prince Buster, um, um, Derek Morgan, all those wonderful records. So I grew up with that. So obviously, I brought it to England with me. What that, so that's my contribution to the specials. When when you sort of like do a little bit of research into Sky, like two tone mm. has its very big place in it. But like Sky kind of started in about the fifties, wasn't it? Like yeah. it was around about the fifties and sixties. Mm. What did the people who started Sky and like played it and the purists think of what you were doing? Cause Not they, a lot. Because they, they, yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. when when somebody takes a genre and and switches it in their own image. The purists are going I've, to be sitting there going, "What the yes. flip are these dudes?" I've had, um, I've, I've had, uh, I went, went back to to Gloucester, you know, at times, and uh, friends, school friends, said, "Why are you doing playing a punk band?" And I said, <laughs> "Do you understand?" Because at the time, right, we didn't actually get it right yet. We had one punk song, punky sort of song. We had a, a soul song. Hmm. We had um, a reggae tune, and it was like that. We ne- it, the whole thing didn't didn't get merged together until much later. So. They when 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 my friends hear this sort of, you know, one two, blah, 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 you know that sort of stuff, little yeah. bitch and sort of like yeah. that. Yeah. They think, what's he doing? But I think later on when we when we start merging the, the culture together musically, yeah, and make it work, I think the 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 um the blacks who didn't understand it was more purist, right? They say, ah, oh, I get it, because there's little chops in that goes, yeah, I can feel the re- I can feel the bass line I drop now, I can feel it where it is now. And when it gets out of it, all that back in again, it, so it works. I think it work. when mm. the Americans started playing Scar about sort of 10, 15 years ago, I was going, nah, they got that wrong. Yeah, yeah. it's like less, you know than, I mean? less than Jake. Like they, 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 they've squared yeah. it up, you know, yeah. the, the, the horns don't swing or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> hang on a minute, that must be exactly what Toots Hibberts thought when he heard our version of Monkey Man. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, so really, what 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 right have I got to tell these Americans yes, how yeah. to play this music? Mm. You know, they're just interpreting it the way that we interpret. We it. Do yeah, it, really. Yes, yeah. And and that's that's the way that um, scenes and culture evolves. Yeah. Like mm, the, yeah. the, the next the, the next uh, generation. Gen- next generation. Take, take yeah. bits and pieces. I mean, this generation coming up now is like the the ultimate hybrid of everything everything yeah. everything <laughs> but that's it isn't it here are the rules mm. let's break them yeah, yeah. brilliant but um, i think you know but i think that to go back to what you were saying earlier you know about us knowing how to play you know we knew the rules <clears throat> so we were in a better position to break, break them, them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly mm. you've got to sort of read the book to realize how mm. to go against it mm. um so like M- melding all those styles and obviously the 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 mod fashion and mm. the the sort of the the two tone uh, as well of of everything it, did it mean like obviously like the sort of racial integration of the band and that was like a very very big point for you guys to make mm-hmm. sure that everybody was welcome at those shows but then did did you ever get the wrong audience coming because they might see somebody with a shaved head and a black and white uh, t shirt on or whatever and go they've missed the point. Oh yeah, you, you you do get it, which which is is good. Just a, such a small minority. We never had that that much trouble at our gigs, really, because you know, like with the with the media, if you have if you have three people at one gig and the three people have a fight, it's a riot at the gig. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's all national front, you know. But it wasn't. It wasn't. I think the media blew up a lot of things, which wasn't it. Make it becomes more an issue. But I do think that um the vast majority of people who come to our gigs, right? Come to the gig because of the music, and the and the um and the um the multiracial band that we've got, you and know I think it you know we, we uh, and we have proven it that um 
music is 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 is, is, is not a divider. It's p- pulling people together. And the one thing which I'm I'm quite proud of that the fact that um even at times when we had to probably get out there's a one time we had to get out this season go and grab a few guys and, and give a few slap around there and say look if you can't be with yourself and, and be with us you gotta go out go out yeah yeah, yeah. but it's only once we ever had to do that you know is it tricky because, because it's, to me it's more important for people to come in you know if you want to actually get get people to, to, to unite right you can't you can't have them divided because that one's got a, a different political views from you right let's sit and talk about it uh-huh. let's be civil about it and I think that's what the music do is bring people together and you you're always gonna get one or two but that's where life is you know it's a tri- it's mm. a tricky message though in in mm. 1978 yeah i remember um dave whiteling telling me dave whiteling from the from, from, from the beat, beat um was saying um that he had a, a journalist come up to him and go hey dave and that's a really you know um important socio-political um point that you're making here having you know um, everett as your drummer and, and roger and 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 dave were looking at him askance and saying no actually they got you know he was just a really good drummer you know that wasn't the issue if, mm. if you like it was something that happened naturally and i think that was it with, with the specials but i think that was the thing that happened in coventry with yeah. all the the, the the soul music scene that was going in coventry and the midlands you know, mm. you you got you know you, you loved the music and it's, you got the gig regardless of what mm, colour your skin you was. You know because yeah. there were people like mm. Neil Davis mm. Um, mm. Um, from the Selector who, who was white, Jerry was white, and they were playing in bands with Ray King Ray or whatever. King, so so know, there was there was that mm. inter cross cultural thing happening mm. anyway, and and it wasn't. That's why I reckon that the specials could only have come out of Coventry. Yeah. Because there weren't ghettos, you know, mm. the Coventry wasn't big enough to have a ghetto. No. Like Birmingham had Handsworth, Handsworth and yeah. Birmingham had St Paul's or yeah. whatever. You mm. know, um, Coventry, you know, the, we all the kids all went to school together and sort of got on because the place wasn't that big. Mm. And the same thing happened with the music. Mm. I kind of want to fast forward to to now because like mm. the the the, yes. par- the, par- the parallels from what we're talking about. I'm all, I'm go, I'm going to go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the parallels of what we're talking about in 19 like 78 79 and you releasing an album in 2019 got me thinking and it got me really thinking about god is this my version of 1979 is this our world version like everything seems like it's go- going in the wrong direction instead of the right direction in terms of uh racial equality and you touch on that on on, mm-hmm. on the album with um that great song uh, BLM. Mm-hmm. Well you know, you know that song sort of um which I'm I'm quite proud of the fact that my father um my father was a real working class guy, you know. And he, he uh, at weekends he, he is it's a generation that lives in the in in, in the working men's club. So they they're sitting there every, you know. And um when he gets home at night from the pub that's the time he wants to talk because they're really well tanked up, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I had to stand there and <laughs> Couple of Guinness and then. Every weekend, oh, you don't know what it's like when I first come to England. I couldn't get anywhere to sleep. And I'm like, oh, God, here it goes again. That was when I, I didn't understand what the hell, you know? Because I I, when, I, when I left England, Jamaican come to England, 1964, I went straight in his house that he bought. Uh-huh. So I never had none of that experience, you know? Yeah. But um, you you know, so looking 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 back on that generation, I I feel very good that I can actually tell my father's story because I understand it now. You know, I understand when I when I, when I went to school in in Gloucester, what it was like when when a kid called me a black BB, you know, and um I, I had no idea what he was talking about because in Jamaica we never I never heard those terms, we never because you know we 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 hadn't just didn't exist those words you know, um. But I learned about it when when this one kid spit in my face, and I realized, ah, that's not a nice word he's using. So I had to get into a bit of a crazy whoop whoop yeah, yeah. fight, and then what happened? This time she said, "This this kid has got he's got he's got problem." That's the way I remember specifically. There's, there's a teacher by the name of Mister Man, you know, at school. Right? I had no idea that how racist that teacher was because I I had no I didn't even. I understand racism at the time. I was about eleven years of age, you know, just coming from Jamaica, where it's totally it was it was so foreign to me, you know, here. And you know, um, and to 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 to, to be able to reflect back on that now and see and and see all and be able to tell the story, you know, about what, what, the, the generation because I'm from the Windrush generation, you know. M- my sister and I we had the same one passport that was shared between both of us, and to see that come to light now that. 
like I could be deported or, 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 or literally delete. We've been deleted out of history of, of, of being British. And before before England, Jamaica become British, right? Before Jamaica got independent, it was a British colony. So we're like from totally confused from the British colony to to, to come to England, then not having any any identity at all, you know. So it's really it's it's quite um it's traumatic for 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 the Woodrow generation who are now been 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 deported, you know, their pensioners now and, and they've been they can't they, they they've got no rights. They worked all their life here and got no rights to nothing. They've contributed to the. Because it's a generation that really works hard, but that that makes mm. it more um, important, uh, and yeah, that makes it more important in 2019 to to bring music to like to to sort of put put a, a spotlight on that and and talk about such issues. Well, I think, think we've always mm. talked. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talks about stuff, but I think the the good thing about the stuff we did was we never sort of wagged our finger. We never got into polemic. You should do this. You shouldn't do yep. that. Here's a situation you know make up your own mind Mind. i think giving the um the audience sort of some intelligence to be able to do that i think was was really important yeah i want to go back to the 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 shows i I, like from being a fan for such a long Mm -hmm. time and you know like uh uh, reading books and uh articles and all the rest uh about you guys that i really wish i was like 17 at that show like you know, nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, because they just look like the funnest shows to go to. I tell to. you, I tell you one. Wish you were seventeen at that time, right? But the the the, the next morning, you'd feel really sick because it's it a lot of alcohol consumer around <laughs> that time, right? So you'd be like, oh my god, I'm Irish. What have I done last night? You know, it's too much. A special show back yeah. in the day was a, an amazing, <laughs> joyous yes. celebration. It was mm. incredible Absolutely. every night. And like, was it a case of just packed rooms? Sweaty pogo dancing, like good good feelings, or like did it ever get riotous? Um, oh, it was always riotous on the edge. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, oh, we're having fun. But it was oh, yeah, it was we're going to burn stuff down. <laughs> yeah, I think exuberance is a, is a, a word that, that comes to mind. Yeah, how, how have you seen this sort of live show develop over over the years? And like because of the like the energy that you've you've got in that music. Well, we I don't f- jump off drum mm. risers. No, so we don't do that. Like, <laughs> you, <know, laughs> um, you wear knee braces now. But, but I still feel, mm. you know, it's you know, I, I, all of a sudden I'm 25 yeah. again. You feel the spirit, you know. You know? I mean, the, mm. the spirit is willing, but the flesh perhaps <laughs> think, you know, doesn't really, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think what's really nice on like because we've had a few time, a few concerts that we played at um, Brixton Academy, and, I, and I, I can see the changes of the audience. You know. The first time we played Brixton Academy, right? It's oh, everyone. You, everyone looked as old as I am. I'm. I'm really old now, and uh, and they're all there, and you can see them. They're they're sweating, trying to keep up with it, and you know. <laughs> and over over the years, right? I'm looking. I'm seeing little girls who are like eighteen or nineteen at the front singing. You done too much, much too young. You might. I'm good. Wow. Over the years, over the last ten years, we have seen the changes in the generation that's come to see us. 
Yeah. And it makes me feel so proud that <laughs> our music stood the, the test of time and be able to go from the from the from the parent from from the from the, the parents to the to the kids and see them all come out. I mean, just, it's just an absolute, a wonderful feeling to see it happen. I used to have so it's much. Brilliant. I used to have so much fun DJing with mm. your music. I started DJing when I was about eighteen or nineteen, mm. and any time the bouncer was kicking off, the first track that would come on, mm. would be Monkey Man, Monkey Man, straight on, a full yeah, so blast. A buddy of mine in um, in, in America, <coughs> two tone D- DJ, and it's like if ever sort of things were getting a bit quiet, you just put put little bitch on, and everyone's yeah. on the floor. <laughs> um, was Ghost Time was your Second number, second number one, yeah. Number one, and it was the last single that, yeah, we, that the was last single we made as as with Terry and Vocal, yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- was that the last single before the group? Yes, that was the last. It was the last recording session before the band split. Yeah. Did mm-hmm. you split at Top of the Pops? We had our 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 um, um, meeting at Top of the Pops with a board <laughs> meeting. And um, is that not a bit mad? Like going, oh, we've got a number one record. We're on Top of the Pops. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> smelling of roses. Let's yeah. bury it and shit. Yeah. I think that was the best move we made. <laughs> <laughs> because here we are, 30 odd years later, talking about the incident, you know, and um, I think that's what makes us start, uh, sort of stand out uh, amongst other bands. This band's, this, this, this um, musical band is so unique. I must say that I'm really proud of yeah. everything that we've done and all, all the ups and downs that we've had. And, and everywhere, and here we are, uh, to me, um, Come back for the encore, you know. Uh-huh. Here we are for the encore, you know. <laughs> what a beautiful way to. Which other band could have ever done that? Yeah. Wait so long for encore. Here we are. Here we the are. Two thousand and nineteen, yeah. number one record. <laughs> yeah, the encore. Yeah. So, yeah, they like so many tracks. Um, what was it like seven or eight tracks in the top ten? Um, mm. from nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty onwards. Um, obviously, like on the on the face of it all your friends and family must be going well everything's going great but obviously something must have been happening behind the scenes for you guys to sort of split ways I think it kind of started to go wrong when uh, beginning of 1980 um, because we just gave ourselves a really punishing schedule, schedule. we'd done this this two tone tour which was joyous which was amazing but it was it was like 40 something dates and we were absolutely exhausted and we had like sort of a couple of days off at Christmas and then we went straight to Europe mm-hmm. for a, two weeks you know in, in the snow mm-hmm. uh, it was horrible <laughs> we, had, we had one day off then we went to America, America where we spent six weeks you know and then um, after we'd done a week's worth of work. We went to Los Angeles and we played four nights on the trot, mm-hmm. two shows a night yeah. uh, at the Whiskey A Go Go, and then we started our American tour. And oh we were God. exhausted. We we got back from there. Uh, we were, we could you know and it, it, the the relationships between the the people changed um, because of the stress of the work, because of the um, I think I have this like, this theory that fame or whatever amplifies what you were before you were famous so if you drank a lot before you were famous you're going to drink even more Doubled. when yeah. you're you know if if you if you take you know drugs before you're famous you're going to take even more consequently if you're quite shy before you're famous, you're go- perhaps you're going to be even more reserved. reserved yeah, so, yeah. so those relationships that worked in 1979 when we didn't have a great deal, all of a sudden fractured. Yeah, you know. Uh, mm. So there, there was a, an or and you know, and um, plus we were exhausted, and Maybe, then yeah. we but, but we still had to function because the record company wanted the, the next single and then an album, album ready by you know blah 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 blah. And so it was a it was a really it was it was horrendous, and I don't think we ever recovered from that to be mm. honest. The yeah. fact that we actually got in a studio to record Ghost Town personally I think was a triumph of, of the will to be honest was there, was there no manager like looking out for you or was the label like not sort of like looking at you going right like think they kind of like almost worked you like you've obviously never met Jerry Dammer <laughs> <laughs> is it just a, just like work 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 we need to turn over <laughs> everything is going well we need to make as much money as we can it, while we no, can it was, we never thought about money at no, all it was but it was just it was just really exciting but mm. in the end we just dug ourselves into this enormous hole mm. yeah yes exactly yeah. Mm. oh mm. so when 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 you did split up uh you started um you started a new group, the Fun Boy Three, mm. with me, um, Terry, and, and, and Neville. How did you come up with that name? That was Terry. <laughs> He's already had it, had it all drafted out, you know, everything in his head. Because he and um, I always and thought the, that was what Dave Jordan, our sound man, was going to call you because you three used to sit looking miserable in the in the corner. 
It could have been a year. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but there Not again, I wasn't in the fanboy thing, so I wouldn't. Yeah. I can't yeah. really. I can't mm. really say. You, so, um, um, Horace, what, what what did you do after the specials? Well, I stayed working with Jerry and Brad, um, but then uh, it just got unbearable. So I eventually left at the beginning of 1982. So I I um, ceremonially burnt my two tone suit. That's it. I'm never going to be in a pop group again. And then. Um, <laughs> By the end of 1983, I'd joined um, Dave Wakeling and Ranking Roger in this band that they put together after they after the beat had split. Um, the band was called General Public, General Public. Uh-huh. and I, I stayed with them until that band um, split up in 1987. Is it a bit of a drug being in a band, being in a group? Uh, like, I, I, yes. I, I always thought like, yes, it, it must be. Cause I, I've been in a band myself, but mm. but like when you, I've never done all the heavy touring like that everybody else does. And I kind of get the feeling like if you've been like in an if you've been in an army and you come home and you settle back into life and you're sitting about and you have to walk the dog and make the dinner and stuff, it must be quite difficult. Like if you don't have that sort of almost regimented going to the studio, we're going to go on tour, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Your life's different people t- take to it in different ways. Different Personally, I love traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, railway stations and airports make my heart beat faster. It's just, there's just something about it. Some people yeah. hate it, yep. but I, I I I love it and. To be in it's to, it's a real privilege, you know. I wake up every morning and and it's like, hey, I'm the bass player in the specials. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad. There aren't too many people in the world who can who who can wake up and say exactly. that. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Um, and and um, that that's a fantastic thing to do. Mm. And playing music for a living is is is, is glorious. It's cool. Wonderful, wonderful thing to do, especially at our age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, though, how how was it coming back to it, sort of stepping back in? Because there was many sort of. Uh, Iterations. I know, like Jerry, uh, Jerry kept it going until about 1984, and I, I, I was reading through the Wikipedia of the people who were coming in and out, mm-hmm. and I actually just think I went cross-eyed of like who was on what <laughs> record, <laughs> what, yeah. and I, I just gave, I kind of gave up after the, mm. the, the the main special split up because I was just mm. like, I can't understand who's in and out now. Mm. Um, but there was a sort of uh, a resurrection in like 1993. Uh, for the Desmond Decker re- That's record. right, yeah. that's yeah. right, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, we uh, knew um, this was um, via Roger Lomas. Roger Lomas. Who was a Coventry um, record producer. He, he produced, did um, um, Bad Manners and Select, yeah? He, he's my, he lives um, the next road away from me in, in Coventry, so obviously we end up in the same boozer every, every, you know, two or three times a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> find a Guinness each time mm-hmm. for each of us. So, um, he come with a side here um, to... Do um um an album cover album with um Desmond Decker, obviously Desmond Decker is what we you know we you was like oh wow Desmond Decker so you know we we had, we had a laugh doing that. We never actually I, met Desmond. You know, oh, never, did no, you not? No, no. We, no. Just, we just recorded these backing tracks in a studio oh, dude, in Leicestershire. And then, and then they took the tapes down, and, and Desmond Decker came in and, and, and apparently did, did his vocals, and, <laughs> and that was that's that. what made a record. But it was it, at the time. Um, I was um, a student, so I was training. I was retraining to be a to be a, a school teacher, mm-hmm. and it was a question of like, um, hey, Horace, uh, you know, listen, do you, do you want two grand for for you know what's basically a week's work? And it's like, yeah, you're joking. Yeah, of course no, I do. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it was good. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it kind of got that sort of ball rolling. So um, we en- we ended up there was Neville Roddy. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Limval, and myself, yeah. um, and we with various other people, and we. Um, Have you ever met him since, Roger Lomas? No, Desmond Dak. No, he, no, he, no, he died, didn't he? No, we yeah. never met, he never died about him. five years ago. Yeah, yeah, we. Oh, we did. We did a video, didn't we? We spent one day shooting oh, a one video. Day in, in, up, um, yeah, uh, up, but he, he yeah. wasn't exactly a, a, a fount of conversation. Mm. No. Mm. But but he was. I'm sure he was pretty thankful for the the recordings that you did. Yeah. I went to a record store. I'd heard Israelites on the TV, mm-hmm. and I tried tried every record store in Northern Ireland, and finally found the one in Belfast. Oh, and mm-hmm. went up on the bus and had had the CD in my hand, mm-hmm. and I was like w- waiting to bring it home, and I left mm-hmm. it on the fucking bus. Oh no! <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's yeah. it's all right. Like that, yeah. like yeah. I, I mean, I could have just downloaded it for free, but I yeah. felt like I, I this feels like a special record to yeah. me. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. What what happens from from ninety three till the the Reformation in in two thousand and eighteen? Was there ever idea? Oh, sorry, two thousand eight. Um, was there conversations about reforming before that, or was it the fact that it was yeah, the thirtieth yeah. anniversary coming up that really sprung it to life? Well, it started with was it the twenty fifth anniversary? 
You yeah, you I were started, able to, yeah. you, you that mm. some wheels were put in motion mm. quite some time before. I remember I was I was teaching school. I was an art teacher, yeah. and I just got my feet under the table in this school, and then. Somebody called me. I think it was probably um, um, Steve Blackwell. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was Terry's manager at the time, saying that this guy called Simon Jordan, Simon Jordan. who um, managed Crystal Palace Football Club. Um, oh, yeah, it's the, the guy with the sort of big floppy hair, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he, yeah. Big specials fan, and, mm-hmm. and he wanted to um, get the specials back together, and, and he would, was going to pay us £60,000 each, you know, if, if we'd reform them. But, and I was like, kind of, hang on a minute, you know. And I just finally got the career that my parents wanted. Wanted me to get, you know, when I was eighteen, yeah. and um, and so I kind of like no, I, I won't do that. But but I think that sort of started things off, and I think you were involved in yeah. some, some stuff I, I, since I, then. I sort of pushed, and um, I met it with Terry down, uh, actually down in down Soy, and mm. we hadn't talked for years, and I remember we had a chat and everything, and then we um, keep building, and then it was Simon's birthday, and Terry 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 makes me laugh. He said um. Because I, I, I met Simon now, and you know, true, true. Because Simon, uh, he owned uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, Terry's a big um, um, United supporter. Good man. So true. I, 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 uh, sorry about that as well, but I do, I do, um, I, I do support Chelsea through my, my, my um, our drummer Brad, who's, he's, who's up there looking down on us now. He dragged me to make sure I support Chelsea. So anyway, we talked and talked, and 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 so I got introduced to to Simon Jordan through all that, you know, and um, I got over. Um, met Terry, and then after that, um, we talked. We talked. We Terry said it was Simon Jordan's fortieth birthday party, and Terry Terry goes, "Well, what can we give? What what can we do for a guy who's got everything financially?" So Terry said, "Well, let's tell him that we're going to put the band together and play his birthday party, but let's not turn up." Because that would be the surprise. Yeah, yeah. Not turning up and go, huh? Why would we not turn up? Yeah. Because, what are you talking about? Such a dick move. Yeah. So that's how we, we, and we, we, it was like with the, with the dub pistol in, in, um, um, I got on stage with a dub pistol for the first seven years because I've I've been in America, been doing the, the, the most rewarding job that one could ever do in their life. And if, all men could get, get this job well they can because they're the one who is part of the, the old process of bringing the child into this world but be the stay at home dad is one of the most rewarding job anyone any anyone could ever do so I'd done that and when, when Dominic becomes uh, 7 years of age I decided well I'm, you know I'm, I needed to go and yeah, I want to play again so uh-huh. I was invited by Terry to, to meet up with, with, the, with the, um, I met up with the dub pistol and I had no idea this, this was going on and I got on stage and I just went, Bernie Rose knows don't argue with you. And the old place went mad. I'm going, <laughs> what? Because I live in, in, in America out in the, the out in the boonies, uh-huh. out in the woods with all animals and stuff like that, you know? You know, deers and all come down from, you know? And I wood, just thought, this is my world you're making now. It, making it sound like it's like a wood cabin that you're in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's lovely out there. Yeah. So that's how, and for us, I was like, okay, we got to get the band back together. And that's when seriously we start talking. And how did it feel like sort of turning up at that practice room or walking in and sort of seeing each other for the first time? I'd say in quite a while, uh, like or even with with your instruments on at least, and just going. Well, the first time. What was the first song that you played? Back? No, no. The first time we met up was done by Kings Cross, Horace. That wasn't really a rehearsal, was it? That wasn't that a was, rehearsal. That, that was just the a, first time we were all in the same room. Meeting. Take it apart, take it apart, and that, and which really didn't, which didn't work out, which which was a real shame. But but playing those songs together was easy. Mm-hmm. It's like putting on an old pair of slippers, and and I I'd kind of think I don't I've forgotten how this song goes, and I'd look at Brad, and we just play it naturally. It was like what would Brad called it muscle memory, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, and um, it was. But those songs. Like ingrained in my DNA. Ask me to play a general public song, and I will struggle. Mm. But ask me to play a special song, and, and I and, and, and I know I'm straight away. Mm. The popular influence of uh, your music in around 2008, when you were coming back, was quite. Uh, it, it was everywhere. Like um, you had Lily Allen, who um, was a, like you know a massive fan, and like her, I think debut record had come out around about that time. And you had Amy Winehouse as well, mm. and they they were kind of like name checking you as like really. Big influences. You know, I met um, I met Lily Allen in in, in I live in Seattle, 
and my other half, she, 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 when she heard that um, she's a big fan, so she uh, she tracked her down. She was playing at the showbox in um, in Seattle, and she tracked she she tracked her down and um, said, "Well, what my husband um, in special?" And he goes, "Fuck off! <laughs> tell me another one." She said, "No, no, it's true." And Lillian goes, "Well, if he is, tell him to fucking bring his guitar down and come and play with us then." Yeah. So I brought my guitar down and they were doing um um um. Snow is falling all around. Blank expression. Blank expression. They were doing that. Uh-huh. So I went on the stage with them doing sound check and went, Brim, she goes, fucking hell, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> it is you. <laughs> and that was it, you know. <laughs> and from there, we, you know, we uh-huh. become friends and we did, um, I did, uh, I brought Terry along with me when, we, when, when she did um, Glassman Festival. And the whole thing just grew from there. And yeah. Amy, we met, we met Amy. She was a sudden... A wonderful, amazing, amazing, amazing artist. She used to play Monkey Man quite a lot in her, yeah. in her set, didn't and she? I, I, I love her. Ver- I think her version is better than our version of, um, <laughs> of, um, of um, Little Rich Girl. I think she's done absolutely... Little Rich Girl, she does the best version. Thank God she did that version. We still can watch and hear her singing, perform that version. It's better than the specials version. The, the, the cover version has a mm. very special place in, in your... your Group's history. Yes, yep. we were the original mm. covers band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. But you like, that's yeah, fine. you've got um, Prince Buster, Toots and the Maytals. Um, yep, yeah, and Andy then uh, and then like there's a whole sort of covers album. Then mm. sort of like he came after that. Mm-hmm. Is there any tracks that like you can confidently stand behind and go? Do you know what? I think we've done it. We've we've done the original over <laughs> on that. Modesty forbids. No, I I, 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 I think um, I mean I love personally. um the part we, we played in Japan and um as the first time we, we played with Toots and the Matels and it was like oh god you know I gotta go in there and goes big big monkey man after Toots played I'm like, oh god is, oh, how am I gonna do that because it's Toots yeah and you know very well as soon as it goes big the old chorus gonna go Rah! big Rah! monkey man you know. And that was a, probably one of the hardest um, song time I've ever had to introduce a song, because the great man was there, and I thought, Jesus Christ, that's when you you you, you want the 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 the, the floor to to see when you just disappear because you think, well, I know the crowd going to react react to it, right? Yeah. And he played his version of Monkey Man as well the same day, and I think we got to go in there and do this song now, and I know exactly where the crowd going to react. They're going to be, you know, they oh God. Please don't do it. <laughs> I rather they would just be pulled out. It goes. That's very nice. Well done. <laughs> there's but a cup. No. There's a cover version mm. that I've heard, and I've never heard it done like this before in my life. Is mm. of "Dirty Old Time" by the Pogues from the the ninety uh, the mm. covers album in the nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. never heard it done like that. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> I love because I you know I mean Shane and I spend all of the time with the Pogues. You know, going out with them. How me, did you survive? <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> it was me. There's uh, um, um, Joe Strummer, there's Kirsten McCall, and we just we, we just had a blast. I would go in there and do a message to you, and and, um, and Joe would come on and do what, right? And Kirsten would come on and do something. It was like the best, you know, those days was just absolutely fantastic with the Pogues. It was just absolutely brilliant. What was it like playing the Olympic closing ceremony? Like the, well, I can't was, remember that at all. I can't remember that much about that. That was uh, it was Hyde Park. Yeah, um, Blur were headlining. Um, and I think it was Bombay Motor Bombay Bicycle Side, Club. Bicycle Club, yeah. New Order, uh, and us. And we were great. We played a blinder. We mm. were we were absolutely on fire that afternoon. I mean, we 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 don't do bad gigs. No, you know. But um, but this one was. I, I thought we we played great. We played mm. really well. What what, what do you, is there like a collective? decision in the group of going that is the best that we've ever played we've never played any better than that or is it as you said we just play good gigs all the time it doesn't really matter well it's a difference between a 95% and a 97% or yeah. whatever you know mm-hmm. what I mean uh-huh. uh, personally I think the, the, the uh, for some reason there was a gig in Utrecht that we played in, in 2014 which uh, was for me was I think the best we've ever 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 played uh-huh. in, in, in like the reformed band mm-hmm. and that, that was fantastic is there, one, really is there one that sticks out to you, Linval, where it felt, it felt like the, the roof was about to come off the gig and you were about to take off into the stratosphere? I was saying the first gig back, uh, the first night back in Newcastle. Yes. Yeah. That one yeah. will never leave me. Yeah. That it was, was the most amazing um, night. And um, all those people who were there witnessed something that um, I don't think we could ever get to that, that feel ever again. Yeah, that, and, well, and that one. The one that was just said that it was never. Film to preserve because that's like part of the you think, well, wow, 
amazing. Yeah, you you had the like the hardcore of the hardcore there. Yeah. The first gig. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was literally grown men crying. Crying, yes, yeah, so, so it was very, very emotional. It was fantastic. Do you do you have like um sort of like hankies that you give out? <laughs> <laughs> like Elvis Presley, like towels <laughs> yeah. around your neck. Yeah. So, uh, so it's it's okay. Uh-huh. It's okay to cry here, but sort yourself out before you get back into the car with your missus. Um so the new album, uh, Encore I've, I've been listening mm. to it um quite a bit. I actually like I knew that there was a song coming um because I was speaking to a fella called um James Daly. He's a lovely yes. lovely fella. Yeah. And um yeah, he was very excited about uh, mm. you, you coming back, and he was like, "Well, so the music's amazing." Mm. Um, and I think I was driving along uh, in my car. I live in Brighton, mm. and the new single came on, mm. and Six Music while mm. I was driving, and I just was like, "Wow, they haven't missed a beat. This is this is great." Mm. Uh, I went into the record, and the one that stands out for me, I just I, I, I really like it. I really like the story around it mm. um, as well. But it's just a great tune. Is the Ten Commandments? It was Sophia. Yes, Goris. Yeah. We um, well, it was one of those sort of cover versions we listened to um, Pinch Buster's Ten Commandments of Man, um, which has not travelled very well over the years um, <laughs> from its original 1967 release. Um, and so we wanted to kind of update it, you know, so what would be the Ten Commandments of Man in 2019? But it just ended up like a comedy record. Yeah. You know, with like, you know, thou shalt not start a sentence with the word so. You know, or something yeah, uh-huh. stupid like that. You know, um, but then we we knew Sophia because we we met her like a couple of years previous, um, and so we'd like let's turn the thing on its head and let's have the Ten Commandments of Women. Um, so we got in touch with her and says, "What what do you think?" And she she snapped her hands off and and said, "Yeah, okay." And then um, so she wrote the, these lyrics, and um, yeah, the rest is hysteria. How how does it uh, feel? Getting back into and writing the actual album and putting it together and being in the studio and having the red light fever and the, I'd imagine throwing picks across the room at each other, going that doesn't work, that's not right. This this, this was I, I would say like um um doing this uh, recording the specials first album with Elvis Costello that was fun because we were drunk every day so that was a difference and a fun right you know recording this album was probably the happiest I've ever been and I I end up sleep you know having our I had to book my time to. To sleep on the couch, mm-hmm. and so does um, <laughs> each of us. Right, it was so pleasant and so relaxing. I, it was the first time I got into into record environment where the four of our heads, with, with, with Nikolai, Terry, Harris, and myself, and the four heads become one, and we all go down this the same road. This one big head going down the road, and there's never any distraction at all. It, to me, I look back and I thought, how did how, how did how did we how, how did that Morris? Because I especially with our track record how did we get here like this what happened yeah. i think it was we i think the word maturity comes <laughs> good, to mind nice one. that's a good one you know yeah. um and um neither, neither of us had i mean any of us had made a record i think the last record that terry released was like 11 years ago yeah. mm-hmm. and i hadn't done any recording for for a long time um and that we'd never have a long term plan when we reformed in 2008, it was like, well, okay, let's play for 2009. I thought I'd take a year off school teaching, you know, uh, make a lot of money, pay off some of my mortgage and then go back to be, you know. But then the thing had legs, so it got to 2010 and then 2011. And we thought about, well, if we're going to do this for a bit longer, we might as well make a record. And so we thought about it and we thought about it. You know, yes. but, but then Brad died yeah, in the yeah. end of 2014, <laughs> which sort of... Um, was horrendous mm. so it took us like a year and a half to get back on our feet again so right round about sort of the end of sort of 2017 it's like right I th- let's try and get this get get you know get going mm-hmm. so we we got back together slowly in sort of 2018 just a couple of days a week in a writing studio just to see what would happen and and so it, it, it sort of it happened sort of gradually but we were all facing the same way yeah. uh, and we all sort of wanted to make we, because we'd done everything on our own terms before, we were outside of the music industry. Mm-hmm. We were outside of schedules and you know um, other people's plans for us. We we toured on our own terms, and so basically we made the record on our own terms too. Um, Universal, to their credit, never bothered to come. Bo- no, never bothered us in the studio. Mm. They, 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 the they, they 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 they. 
Mm-hmm. They left us alone, mm-hmm. um, and uh, even our manager didn't come down. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, we we were up. It was up to us to make basically the best music we that we possibly mm-hmm. could. And I think that with that responsibility rested very gently on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's uh, and the result is terrific. But I think the 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 motives for making the music was pure. Mm-hmm. And I think the result. And that has transferred itself yeah. to the to, to, to the grooves or whatever yeah. people listen to these days. And I think, and and then this is the, the the result. So the the encore has been successful. Everybody is uh, everybody is like giving giving you an applause. Oh, you. Will there be a second? Will there be a second encore? Like is we've never had a long term plan. We never had a long term plan. No. I feel like I feel like you've said that a few times before. No, I'll 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 think that's a perfect place to end it. No, thank you. We never had a long term plan. You do know how you're getting home. Like it's not that short term plan, right? Guys, thank you so much for spending time, and thank you for putting beautiful positive music out into the world in 2019 and congrats for all the success oh thanks for having us man thank we you really appreciate that the wait is finally over and sport is back on now tv it's lights out and away we where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet, full terms apply. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.